from Indianapolis with an eye on every corner of Indiana. This is IBJ Media's Inside Indiana Business with Gary Dick. Presented by Ice Miller and Indiana University. From the emerging EV sector to the growing semiconductor space to state dollars bringing back small-town Indiana favorites, the state firing on all cylinders. Governor Eric Holcomb weighs in on a record year for investments. The finish line in sight for two major Indiana highway projects, tracking progress on the north split in downtown Indianapolis and I-69 paving its way through southern Marion County. The dawn of processed foods in the 50s. Swanson announces new three-course frozen dinners. Not a hot health topic on one IU Doctor's YouTube channel. Does consumption of ultra-processed food lead to cognitive decline? More in this week's Business of Health. Hello and welcome to Inside Indiana Business. I'm Gary Dick coming to you this week from 16 Tech, the 50-acre innovation district talked about for decades that is now reality on the near northwest side of Indianapolis. Specifically, we're in a lab at the Indiana Biosciences Research Institute, which is already home to 13 startup companies, each working on what they hope will be that next big thing. The IBRI and 16 Tech designed to be really magnets to attract investment and talent from around the globe to Indianapolis. And in 2022, the life sciences big contributors to what the state is calling a record year for economic development. In terms of life sciences projects, 25 projects generating $2.8 billion in capital investment and more than 3,000 jobs. But overall, the IEDC reports overall capital investment from 200 118 companies this year, representing $22.2 billion in capital investment, a 250% increase over the previous year, and 24,000 job commitments. The average wage, $34.71. Both the capital investment and average wage, the highest since the IEDC was founded in 2005. I got reaction this week from Governor Eric Holcomb and also uh, an idea of what to expect next. Governor Holcomb, uh, the investment numbers at $22.2 billion, a big number, more than 250 percent higher than the previous year. Uh, was there one thing really driving the investment, those big numbers? Well, it's it's been a long time in the making. You know, we've got access to high talent and we've become a low cost place to do business um, and great site availability. Uh, but I would think if you had to, if you did have to boil it down to one thing, I would say focus. We have been um, laser focused on trying to build out different clusters. And so where you see a lot of these ecosystems starting to develop in terms of semiconductors, you're talking about manufacturing, you're talking about design, you're talking about um, um, testing, packaging, from GED yeah. to PhD. And so, or if you're talking about battery, we're talking about not just manufacturing, but also recycling. And so we're really, we've kind of turned this corner to where we're going after ecosystem development as yeah. much as sector development. 
Let's talk about that. Traditional Indiana strengths, advanced manufacturing, life sciences uh, did very well in, in these numbers. But as you mentioned, microchips, the electrification of the auto industry, which is going on to billions of dollars in deals, successful deals here. Skywater Technology, West Lafayette, Stellantis, SDI uh, in Kokomo and others. Are these kind of the next big things uh, in terms of uh, where Indiana stands to perhaps gain jobs and investment? Absolutely. And more to come, by the way. Success attracts success. And we've somewhat become this magnet because we can back up what they need in terms of workforce, et cetera. And so when you think about the trillion or so dollars that is being uh, invested around the world, some of which will come to America, there are certain states that will just stand out in terms of being able to deliver. And on these fronts, microelectronics, hypersonics, defense-oriented contracts, we've really upped our game and it's paying off. Indiana's won uh, its fair share in that sector or those sectors. One of the big deals was Intel, $20 billion, 20,000 jobs that actually went to Ohio. And there was a lot of talk around that, that Indiana's ability to provide the workforce, the talent pipeline was an issue there. Is talent, are you concerned about the talent pipeline when it comes to going after these big deals? Every deal we do, I'm uh, mindful of it. Concerned is is to put it mildly because we have to be able to supply the company with the fuel they need to be able to grow. And that's talent and that's their workforce. And so, you know, we're blessed in the state of Indiana with Purdue, with Rolls-Holman, with Notre Dame, with IU. We've got 30 privates and all of our public, Ivy Tech and Vincennes University. And so how we build these curriculums uh, the, the curriculum that they need to be able to skill up their workforce, the nimble states in America will be the winners. And we have proven now time after time in these deals, and there will be more coming, um, that, that we can, in fact, compete with the one investment that was made in Ohio. We're, we're having multiple announcements, and I like our strategy to be able to look at doing the manufacturing, doing the packaging, doing the testing, um, and recycling when it comes to batteries. The whole life cycle of the product as we onshore or or reshore a lot of these prod products that are going to continue to make sure that we keep the future of mobility rooted here in the state of Indiana. Final question, Governor. Um, ready grants had a big impact, uh, certainly, on communities around the state, their ability to do quality of place projects and, and other deals. It was literally one year ago those first grants were handed out. You look going forward, uh, the upcoming session of the General Assembly, can communities expect uh, to compete for another round, uh, Ready 2.0, if you will? I sure hope so. We were both at Butler uh, University about one year ago talking about this and uh, what a success it's already been. When you go to communities and you, you see the YMCA that's been talked about for 13, 14, 15 years, now it's come to fruition and realization. These are transformational projects, be it housing, $4 billion in housing in this last round of Ready. I want a Ready Repeat or a Ready 2.0 or a Ready Redo. Um, and that'll be reflected in the budget that I submit on January 4th. Well, as the governor indicated, microchips will continue to be a big focus of the state's economic development efforts. And Indiana Senator Todd Young has been a key player in attracting production, chip production, back to the United States. That is already having a ripple effect on the Hoosier economy. 
Senator Young co-sponsored the CHIPS Act, earmarking some $280 billion to boost semiconductor research and manufacturing on U.S. soil. Indiana looking to establish itself as a regional chip research and production hub. As you really look at the, the sizzle in this legislation uh, for Hoosiers, um, I think it's, uh, it's going to be the research investment that goes into Indiana University, Notre Dame, Purdue, and others, uh, leading to the spinoff of all sorts of startups. Much more with Indiana Senator Todd Young on the next Business and Beyond podcast, which launches Monday at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. Well, another big part of the state's uh, efforts to boost the economy and economic development here, bringing Indiana's highways and interstates up to snuff. An update next on when to expect the green light for the big north split project in downtown Indy, plus I-69 getting closer to the finish line. The exit ramp at Southport Road, Southern Marion County, part of the final leg of what has long been expected to be a key economic driver in Indiana. I-69 finally linking Evansville and Indianapolis. It's getting closer to the finish line. So, too, is another major road project, the massive makeover of the North Split in downtown Indianapolis. That's where our Mary Rachel Redmond is now with some new developments. Mary Rachel. That's right, Gary. The old adage, no pain, no gain, can definitely be applied to the massive reconfiguration of one of the state's most heavily traveled stretches of interstate. Once this $350 million project is complete, drivers will see the pain was worth the gain. Joining me right now to talk about where the project stands as we head into the new year, Mike Smith, the commissioner of NDOT. Just to kind of start off, Mike, could you talk a little bit about where this project stands right now? Yeah, it seems like the uh, poster child project for pandemic kind of issues. So um, we're making really good progress. What you can really see out there in the field is the project coming together. So uh, as we've shared recently, we're still on track for an opening of I-70 both ways. Uh, sometime on or before January 15th is the hope. Uh, if the weather cooperates, obviously, and then uh, we'll complete the I-65 opening, ho hopefully by the end of April. So when you talk about I, the I-70 opening, can, can you clarify? 70 eastbound and westbound would be open, uh, like we said, our target's January 15th. Which doesn't seem all that far away, but, but, but there have been some delays. Yeah, I mean, just as other industries have faced over the last 18 months, really getting uh, supplies, parts, materials, keeping our equipment going with the challenges that we've had has really been an issue. And then the tightness of the labor market really um, it's competitive out there and so having just the bodies out there uh, to get the job done has been a challenge as well. You know this supply chain issue will it drive up the cost overall? Yeah I mean a, a project this complex really has uh, a lot of ebbs and flows in terms of the components that go into the job so certainly there are penalties if our contractors don't meet the mark and some incentive incentives if they deliver back to the public in a timely manner but Certainly, we're considering what price increases have uh, occurred as a re result of inflation and what the state's responsibility is to make the project a successful one. Now, when all the cones are gone, the, the, the road construction signs have been removed and everything is finished, what will be the, I guess, most obvious 
things for, for drivers once they can once again hit 65, hit 70. We'll be the crossroads of America again, right? So uh, this is a heavy freight corridor. We've got to get freight into the city, through the city, across our nation. And so that's what uh, you know. That's what we're trying to accomplish with this with this project. And then also, uh, it will continue to have us allow our downtown Indianapolis area uh, to really be a shining beacon for economic development in the state. It, kind of switching gears a little bit, another major project in the region, I-69 connecting Evansville to Indianapolis, yeah. uh, you know, well into Marion County right now. Can you give us an update on that project? Yeah, so we opened the stretch from uh, basically through Martinsville up to 144 late last year. We'll actually shield that as true Interstate 69, so that continues to go well. And you're right, the focus will really turn uh, to Marion County, south side of Indianapolis, and that connection with 465 as we look to complete the I-69 corridor throughout the state. Mike Smith, thank you very much. The Commissioner of INDOT, best of luck. Mid-January, the target date for I-70 to open here in Indianapolis. But wait, not so fast. You're going to see more orange cones. I-465 on the south side of Indy about to get a big makeover. And in southern Indiana, plans in the works for the Mid-States Corridor, a proposed $1 billion 50-mile highway enhancement project along US-231 that would impact 12 Hoosier counties. One of the main goals for the highway, to improve connectivity in the region for cities like Jasper and Ligoti to Indianapolis, Evansville, and Louisville. Now let's head back to Gary at 16 Tech for a look ahead at what's coming up. All right, Mary Rachel, thank you. Well, sizing up the big picture of the Indiana economy. We talked earlier about some big numbers in 2022 from an investment and job standpoint, but how does Indiana stack up with other states when it comes to economic development? At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community, PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group Bank, all rights reserved. Welcome back to Inside Indiana Business, coming to you this week from a lab at the Indiana Biosciences Research Institute at 16 Tech. It's on the near northwest side of Indianapolis. You know, we've talked about on the show this week record investment and jobs numbers being touted by the IEDC, the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, in 2022. But how does Indiana stack up to other states when it comes to economic development? For some perspective, I'm pleased to be joined, as always, by Genova's Executive Managing Director, Larry Gigrich. Larry, thanks for making the trip downtown uh, to be, be with us. You heard the governor. You've seen these big numbers, really, reported by the IEDC. Commitments, you know, they haven't happened yet, but commitments. Uh, how, how, in your view, does Indiana stack up with other states when it comes to economic development and what we're seeing out there? Yeah, clearly Indiana has performed well. And you look at unemployment rate in our state being lower than it is in most places across the country. And I think, too, the increased focus on wage levels has been a big part of what the state has been trying to do. And Indiana, certainly in the Midwest, Indiana and Ohio kind of on a pedestal compared to most places. And now Indiana really competitive with many locations around the country. What areas do you see as Indiana really out Perform. You mentioned employment. Uh, how mm -hmm. about sectors of the economy? Yeah, certainly manufacturing, life sciences, and then real estate 
in particular, those three, the state has outperformed many other areas across the country. And those have been the fastest growing areas for the state's GDP. So I think that creates a real opportunity. And then certainly our heritage in manufacturing is another place that Indiana has continued to perform very well. Talk about opportunities. A lot of focus being placed on the electrification of the auto industry, certainly uh, microchips. Uh, Indiana's had some successes in both those areas. How do you look at the competitive landscape? Because it is very competitive in how Indiana might fare in the year or a couple of years ahead. Yeah, I think clearly the emphasis that the governor, Secretary Chambers, and the IDC have placed on those sectors have really made a big difference. And getting the word out that we're really interested in those opportunities, Senator Young being so heavily involved in the CHIPS Act really creates a lot of momentum around it. And then without a doubt, Intel making the decision that they did to go to Ohio created a lot of momentum for the Midwest. And really, people have realized the Midwest is a place where you can make things, but also you can engineer and design things. And I think there's a great opportunity for us going forward. Indiana's had some wins again in the in the chip area and in uh, the uh, electric vehicle area as well. But Intel, you mentioned, was not a win, went to Ohio. Right. And workforce talent was cited as perhaps one of the reasons Indiana didn't get it. Is that the big challenge going forward? Yeah, I think clearly talent is where Indiana has more work to do. And not just four-year degrees. It's two-year degrees, certifications, credentials for different industry sectors. But we really need to lift our talent up. And, and yes, I do think Indiana competed very well as a finalist for the Intel project. Yeah. At the end of the day, that helped tip it to Ohio for sure. So talent, in terms of, uh, terms of headwinds, talent perhaps in the year ahead. How about the national economy? Is that another uh, kind of uncertainty out there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think this inflationary period we're in that has been you know 40 to 50 years since we've seen something like this, along with interest rates rising so quickly, that does create some economic headwinds. Now, the flip side of that is it's sort of uncharted territory for us because there's so much federal money that has not been deployed yet for infrastructure and even some COVID money, hard to believe, but still not spent, that could help transition us through 2023 as that hits the street. Great perspective, as always, from Larry Gigerich, the Executive Managing Director at Genovis. Larry, as always, thanks. Thanks, Gary. Hey, coming up next, uh, using YouTube as a tool for healthcare. Up for scrutiny today, does consumption of ultra-processed food lead to cognitive decline? That's the topic. More on how this IU award-winning online video health program is putting medicine in simple terms for patients. Plus, for the 31st year, IBJ will recognize 40 Central Indiana business and professional leaders who've achieved a level of success that is rare at a young age. The deadline to submit a nomination, January 13. For more information, go to ibj.com nominations. And just in time for the holiday season, we're unveiling our new gift subscription to the IBJ and Inside Indiana Business, the perfect gift for the college student, young professional, or hard-to-buy-for person on your list. Learn more at ibj.com. Have you heard the scary news stories about how strangers are gonna taint kids' candy with pot now that it's getting more legal? There's no evidence for that. There's also no evidence that strangers poison kids' Halloween candy in general. That's the topic of this week's healthcare triage. Well, a well-known Hoosier doctor has become somewhat of a YouTube sensation with a half million subscribers. Dr. Aaron Carroll's YouTube channel offers more than a dose of medicine. There's also some entertainment value. Business of Health reporter Kylie Valletta is back in studio with more. Kylie. Thank you, Gary. 
are mushrooms really better than antidepressants for treating depression or all that rage about stand-up desks? Do they actually have any significant impact? These are the types of questions that IU Chief Health Officer Dr. Aaron Carroll tackles on his weekly YouTube show called Healthcare Triage. And like any good health medical professional, he relies on research and evidence to do it, but he also makes it fun. And perhaps that's why the show has nearly half a million subscribers and some of the videos more than a million views. A key goal of the show is to be a trusted source for health information. So one of his favorite topics to dive into is a health story that the media isn't presenting accurately. When I see bad news stories that are covering questionable research in ways that shouldn't be, we, we sort of love, you know, nicely attacking and dissecting those. Uh, I think, uh, you know, too often questionable research is used to scare people. And I really enjoy when we can, you know, bring people back to normal. We try to take good research data and evidence and show how they should be applied to people's conceptions about health. If you told me like that we would have someday, you know, half a million subscribers or that, you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people would watch videos on, on topics that I think are important, I, I would be blown away. No, I never thought we would have this. It's absolutely joy. Uh, it's one of the few things I think I'd never, ever, ever give up as long as I don't have to. And Dr. Carroll says he has no interest in becoming the next Dr. Oz. It's just a fun side project for him, and he truly enjoys his actual job. The show is completely independent, not associated with IU in any way, and mostly viewer-supported. Time now to go back to Gary at the Indiana Biosciences Research Institute for more as we go Inside Innovation. All right, Kylie, thank you. We've been doing a lot this week on economic development and big numbers being released from the Indiana Economic Development Corporation. A big focus of the IEDC going forward will be on energy, trying to get more investments and jobs in that space. AES Indiana says it is leaning into renewable energy with what it calls the most substantial, boldest plan, strategic plan in the utilities history. That plan filed with the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission invest heavily in renewables. We are going to add 1.3 gigawatts of wind, solar and battery energy storage. And just to give some context, our total portfolio is 3.5 gigawatts. So this is about a third that we're going to be adding in terms of renewables. AES Indiana CEO Christina Lund also tells me the transition of the utility's Petersburg coal plants to natural gas includes a focus on the transition of the workforce there. What we're really focused on is incorporating new technologies, making the most of this site, and then also really helping our people learn new skills and placing them in new jobs, either in Pike County with these new technologies, potentially in Indianapolis, where we have a lot of opportunities on the transmission and distribution side. And then AES is actually a global company and we are hiring around the company. And so we really value our people and the great experience that they bring. And so our focus is really on retraining and placing people into new roles and helping Pike County attract new investment for the future. It's time now for Eye on Education. We go to Northeast Indiana, where Manchester University is preparing the next wave of students for careers in health sciences and STEM fields. 
The school is investing big time, more than $20 million to expand its health science hub in Fort Wayne. The project will include a physical therapy clinic for amputees. That's all the time we have for this week's edition of Inside Indiana Business. We want to thank the Indiana Biosciences Research Institute for allowing us inside a really cool high-tech lab here to get an inside peek of what's going on. Also, the first show I've done entirely in safety glasses as, as well. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. Go out and make it a successful week. Thank you for listening to the Inside Indiana Business television podcast. Remember, you can get the latest business news from every corner of the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week.